Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Welcome, everybody, to Great Iron Blitz. Uh, we are going to have a great show today. Don't forget to go to Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF to get started today. $5 free play, NBA playoffs coming up here. You also got MLB starting as well. Uh, so check it out. $5 on us to get started at Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF. So we got a great show lined up today in the uh, Great Arm Blitz. Your host here, Oscar Lopez, 419 in the house right now. Uh, two hours jam-packed today as we are going to basically recap WNFC Weekend 2022. Uh, it was an awesome weekend this weekend. Uh, a lot of exciting games down to the wire in Oregon uh, with the Oregon versus Seattle. You also had a real contested uh, matchup in Las Vegas versus the LA Legends. Um, we also had great, you know, defensive battles in uh, in Alabama at Atlanta versus Alabama. Those are key games there as well. Also, uh, you know, some of the key games also uh, um, surprising in a way. Florida didn't come out as well as I thought they would come out. So uh, the prodigy proves me proves me uh, wrong. So 27 to zero, uh, prodigy takes advantage of Florida. Also, had the, uh, no exceptions there. Kansas City 35. Uh, loses 35 to zero against the Spartans, and San Diego Rebellion 35 to zero against Phoenix. We're going to dive in in the second hour. We have the talented Molly Richardson of the Florida Avengers to kind of recap Week One uh, versus the Prodigy. We're also going to have Mark Simone dive into the hub in terms of the international scene with Liga Elite Monterrey Week Four, FX Mexico Week Three. We're going to preview the WFA Pro Week One as well with the Salty One and Nate Ward in the second hour. So two hours jam-packed. We're going to be talking women's football in the second hour pretty much exclusively until the end of the show. So don't forget to dive in there. But in the first hour here, in about uh, 10 minutes here, we're going to have the uh, talented Jim Wallen, former uh, LFL marketing director, now sports ed TV director of video and production on women's sports. Uh, so we're going to talk about his journey previously in the LFL, we're going to dive into what Sports Ed TV is is going to do here for women's sports and the venture that it's happening now. So uh, interested to see what Jim's doing now uh, versus what he was doing before. So uh, kind of excited to see what Sports Ed TV uh, is going to do for women's sports here as well. So a lot of a lot of things to dive into. Uh, week one was really really impressive uh, in terms of the WNFC scope. If you didn't catch it, it was on Vire Sports. Vire Sports. You go to Vire Network. 
then you get the VAR uh, Sports app right there under VAR Sports, and then you type in WNFC 2022. Pretty easy to do. So if you haven't done it, I would uh, highly recommend everybody to download it uh, and get ready for week two. Uh, week one was totally exciting. We're going to dive in, like I said, with uh, the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the second hour. We're going to break down some of the uh, key games in uh, the WNFC week one. We're also going to preview the rest of the leagues, like I said, at the hub. So really, really cool. Uh, don't forget, you guys, uh, go to the Monkey Night Fight website. Uh, it is uh, the sponsor of our podcast. It's awesome that you guys dive into it. Uh, makes a, a little quick of money, three times your money, more or less is my platform that I uh, play with. So you can do NBA, uh, MLB, MMA, PGA, uh, all those, all that format. So if you're inclined, it's pretty easy. Just got to figure out who's going to score more than or who's going to score less in terms of a prop, and you can make three times your money. So if you put in $30, you can make about $90. If you put in $300, you can make almost $900. So it's really easy to do. If you have good intuition, you're going to make some really good dough at monkeyknifefight.com. So don't forget to go monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF. Uh, we also have some sales for the summer. All summer long, we have sales at the No Joke Football Shop. Zazzle's been our sponsor for almost, uh, what, 10 years now, almost 11 years running. So check out all our cool stuff at Zazzle.com. Leggings, T-shirts, tanks, uh, and hang out at Zazzle.com. Worldwide shipping as well. You go to, to the site there, go under the country code of your country, whether you're in Europe or whether you're in Australia or internationally in other places. You go right there. You go to your Zazzle shop for your country, and you can also pay with your own denomination from your country and faster shipping. So check it out right there. And speaking of no-joke football shop, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Alia Karmali uh, of the Denver Bandits out there. Uh, also, uh, Dana Spike, Box, out of the L.A. Legends. We had our, our talented athletes out there in, in, in just balling out all weekend long. Okay, so it was really awesome to see them just going all out. Uh, this weekend, obviously, our, our uh, Nevada Storm Trio, uh, Sarah Calangelo, uh, we have Jesse Felker and uh, um, Jasmine Plummer starting off and kicking off week two here this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see how they perform this uh, this coming week for WFA Pro uh, season that's coming up. So shout-out to all our no-joke football athletes, including um, – Dan Mitchie out there and Sophia Vensi in uh, over in Lafay, uh, I mean Lafay in FX Mexico uh, with Pumitas Football. So check it out out there. Uh, if you go to the No Joke Football page out there on Facebook, you can go at No Joke Football on Instagram. You get to see all the amazing athletes that we are uh, supporting, and they're supporting our brand. And as well, uh, you can go to their stories right there and on their journeys. So really, really awesome. So check it out, no, at No Joke Football on Instagram. Go to at No Joke Football on Facebook, or you can go directly to the Zazzle site page, zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties at the No Joke Football um, shop. All right. Uh, and if you haven't caught our, uh, our any of our previous podcasts, so I want to give you a couple of shout-outs to Lisa, uh, uh, Lindsay Cash, who's always awesome. Lindsay Cash is one of our – favorite uh, downloads of all time on our podcast. So shout out to her for uh, making it happen. Uh, You can go back at 410. We talked to her. Uh, 411, Lois Cook, Tammy Moore, Coach Tammy Moore and Cameron Reveal. That's one of our other popular podcasts trending for the month. So check out all their insights there. Uh, 412, the talented Connie Kahlberg, legendary Connie Kahlberg 
of the uh, New York Jets NFL uh, scout, uh, talking Super Bowl 56 on the recap. Uh, we also brought in the talented a- Ambria uh, Marcucci of the Nevada Storm, including uh, Coach Giovanni uh, Carrillo of the women's national team, IFAB women's national team, Mexican national team, on 414. Go back to 375, Sammy Grisafi in the house. 384, the talented Grace Cooper of the Minnesota Vixen. You had uh, 387, uh, the talented Megan Lewis, who you saw live and live in, in center this weekend, Denver Bandits. And then 390, Kelly Smith, who was front and center in Alabama this weekend. Plus uh, 392, Kerry uh, Mackey, of the owner of the Nevada Storm as well. And 403, Nenji Martin of the San Diego Rebellion right there as well. So check out some of the previous podcasts. Really awesome. Uh, make sure you uh, bump us up on iHeart and Spotify. That's where we're at. Apple, awesome receptions on Apple, so we really appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, if you guys subscribe on iHeart or Spotify, really, really appreciate that as well. All right, talented uh, football all over the, the globe. So um, if you guys are – normally we do NFL. I uh, just want to put it out there now. Normally we do NFL tidbits, NFL trade, NFL uh, news and stuff like that. So we have made a decision. It is a, girl, a girls' summer this summer, girls' summer. So we're going to hold off on NFL content. Pretty much we're going to be exclusively two hours women's football between now, which is April 1st, all the way down to the end of the IFAB World Championships. So we're, all of it's going to be covered here every Tuesday, down to the wire, everything that's happening in the sport. You can go to the Hub. The Hub is the best network on the planet, bar none. It has been created for that purpose. It has been created for bringing awareness to women's tackle football. We really appreciate you guys going out there and liking and sharing and following us out there. Share it with your friends. Uh, share our stories with your friends on your timelines so that they're, they're made aware of that there are obviously amazing, talented women play women's American football globally, not just in the States, not just in your country, not just in your county, not just in your state, all the, over the world. So we can bring awareness uh, to those athletes that are very talented overseas as well. So, Check it out. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. That is the place to be. That is the best network on the planet. It is created by us. It is created and supported by amazing people that love and want to bring attention to women's American football. So thank you for everybody for subscribing. Thank you everybody for liking it, following it, and uh, thank you everybody for sharing. So it's really, really awesome. So a couple of things that we can go over that's exciting. We always have uh, you know, football season starting right here in April, and uh, the Utah Girls Football League also kicked off this past uh, uh, last week or so. So really, we got some cool photos right there at the hub of everything that's happening in the sport. And so you can go check it out right there at the hub, and you can see that all the talented uh, uh, girls playing in the Utah Girls Football League. So it's really awesome to see. Uh, we're going to keep tabs on it week to week. Thank you to Chris Sacco out there in, with Utah Girls Football League for sharing some of the stuff with us. Thank you to all the photographers out in Utah that are bringing the still photos and attention to these young ladies that are playing amazing ball as well, not just the adults out there with the WNFC or WFA or the other leagues, but the Utah Girls Football League front and center. And uh, shout out to all the girls out there for uh, kicking ass this weekend and doing their part as well to uh, grow the sport, grow the interest on it uh, from third to fourth graders all the way to high school. Um, that league has grown so big and so large that is now as, uh, one of the uh, probably the, the best league probably in the world 
Uh, thanks to Sam Gordon and company as well. Sam Gordon now uh, working with uh, uh, Under Armour uh, Football as well, doing clinics, similar to what Jen Welter's uh, function was with certain clinics that she does as well with uh, Adidas. So it's uh, really awesome to see that. We're also going to keep tabs on the college scene, which is the NAIA college scene. So we'll, we'll have some tidbits from that. We have one person working on that to try to keep tabs on it. And so we can bring attention to that uh, biweekly or at least once a month or two. Uh, check out out there uh, all the amazing, uh, talented uh, ladies that are playing uh, collegiate flag football in the NAIA as well. So, all right. So don't forget, you guys, uh, check out our stuff. And uh, don't, don't forget to subscribe and download our podcast. And uh, really, really appreciate that. We're going to have the second hour, like I said, uh, Mark Simone coming in the house, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, and Nate Ward. And we're going to be talking everything WFC, WFA, plus international news from the hub, which is FX Mexico, uh, Elite Monterey as well. So we'll, we'll dive into that as well. All right. So one of the key games, before we bring in Jim here, one of the key games and probably the upset of the weekend in the WNFC, and we got to mention it because it was a big deal. Uh, you would think uh, the, I guess, the change at quarterback for the Falcons was uh, kind of instrumental in a lot of ways. Uh, we do not have Luis Bean. Luis Bean, obviously one of our co-hosts previously on our podcast. Luis Bean is obviously gone and retired at this point, or semi-retired, or maybe not retired at all. But she's no longer with the Falcons for the season. And so uh, brand new change at quarterback. And so it might be a, a difference maker there. Denver pulls the upset of number two ranked 2021 Utah Falcons, 7-6 to six at Utah, which is huge. That was the start off the WNFC season right there. That was game one of the opener. So, uh, you know, for if you're a WNFC fanatic, or if you're just a woman, a woman's football fanatic, uh, if you're uh, the leadership of the WNFC, what better way to kick off 2022 than with a one-point victory by Denver over a top powerhouse, number two powerhouse, Utah Falcons. So changes on offense in Utah wasn't as smooth as it should have been. It's the first game out. We will see how they react against Oregon or whether Oregon's going to you know, shock us as well. Oregon put up their own shocker. Nine to six in double overtime against Seattle, so that was interesting to see. And that was an, uh, if you can, if you can get to watch it on Vire Sports, go watch the Oregon game. That was a really good game against Seattle. Both teams equal uh, amounts, in other words, uh, in terms of fundamentals and staffing. But they just they could not muster offenses. Defenses were really good. So there you go, nine to six, uh, a field goal win by the Ravens. Um, I think it's Kylie O'Connor with a field goal. So that transpired into a 9-6 victory for Oregon. Oregon now goes with this big win against their rival, now goes into the Midwest trying to uh, put another blemish on the Falcons. And that would be a very bad thing uh, for Utah to go 0-2 on the season. They have never gone, I don't believe, in their history 0-2 on the season. So that would not be a good thing. And I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, quarterback uh, Gallica and company out there, uh, Holly Custer's our own. Uh, Holly Custis here. They're obviously going to retool and regroup here because that's not what the Falcons do. They don't, uh, you know, go on losing streaks. They usually are very good at conversion, converting, and getting getting ready. So, um, you know, hats off to Denver for pulling that win because a much improved Denver Bandits team ready to roll. So there it is, right there, right off the blocks. Punch out number two. Uh, Falcons fall to Denver seven to six. So 
interesting to see how Utah will react in week two here of the uh, WNFC season. Going to the huddle, and we're going to be talking to the talented Jim Wallen, the director of video and production of Sports Ed TV. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight, use code NJF, get started MLB, NBA, and, and other sports as well. So $5 free play, use the code NJF. Jim, how's it going? Oscar, it's it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. No problem. It's been a while, Jim. It's been like years, I think, probably, right? now. yeah. Uh, you years. know what? I, Oscar, you know, I vividly remember our last chat on your esteemed program. And it was, I was sitting in a parking lot, actually, uh, just got out of traffic, and we had an interview scheduled, and uh, it took, you know, it's a memorable experience in 2013, so it's almost been a decade, so it's nice to get back. But I certainly remember um, contributing some LFL commentary and otherwise uh, to, to your program post my, uh, my career uh, or my, the end of my career uh, with, with the, uh, I guess, now defunct LFL. But uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Nice to, nice to have you uh, come on board. Uh, I really re- appreciate you making the time today. Um, Tell us a little bit about this because we, I got some information from you, and this seems like a really cool, uh, um, I guess, venture, if you want to call it, Sports Ed TV. Yeah. Um, you know, women's sports is obviously a, a growing interest, right? We, got, we cover women's tackle football. It's growing in interest with two major leagues now, sponsors and things yeah. like that. And then we got the flag scene that's growing in the high schools, and now we have you know, scholarships in collegiate. So tell us a little bit about what Sports Ed's doing. You know, Oscar, I think as you know and anyone out there, you know, 2.5 billion people or more, you know, in the world play sports. And and many of those people um, wish to excel, but they don't necessarily have the access to coaching and most only obtain, let's just say, amateur or perhaps subpar coaching, depending on what their goals might be. So Sports Ed TV's mission is really exciting to me. It's to bring world-class coaching to more people in the world so that they have a better chance of achieving their sports dreams and, you know, learning the life lessons that sports teaches ultimately so they can help make the world a better place. And so basically what sports ed TV does, what our mission is, is, you know, we that facilitate the democratization of sports learning so that all people have access to the top tier of coaching, no matter where they live, no matter what resources they or their family has, you know, whatever the economic circumstances might be um, or individual circumstances. So it's truly exciting. I'm, I'm with a great team here uh, in, in uh, beautiful, sunny uh, Miami, Florida, and we have a number of sports and a number of, of currently free content, and, uh, you know, videos, blogs, you name it, from some of the top people. We're talking, you know, Olympic coaches. We're talking um, – anyone from Tim Hardaway, who was just inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, to um, other football uh, experts as well. So um, football, we, ha- we are growing that uh, particular vertical, and that's what I'm so excited to speak with you about today. Now, Jim, the flag mentality, since we don't have a feeder system for women's tackle football like we do in other sports like basketball and 
and other sports, volleyball and things like that, where it's customary yes. to go into a certain sport, like soccer as an example. But women's tackle football obviously lacks that. So there's a, obviously a feeder system uh, disconnect that you would have in other, in other sports. But given the uh, excitement that's coming now with with certain flag flag leagues really evolving nationwide with major tournaments, including large uh, dollar pools, it's growing to an extent where it's a, more of an interested sport now, uh, and it's getting to a pro level, like the AF, AFFL is going to go women's pro. They're going to have a sec, uh, basically a women's pro where they're going to get paid a certain amount of money. So flag is truly basically the kind of the entry, right, even in a uh, you know educational state for like football. I agree uh, with you 100%. Um, we have, uh, bringing it back to Sports Ed TV for a second, we had a great article written um, by Peter Fox uh, late last year. It's available for free on our website, uh, sportsedtv.com. And Peter uh, is the founding executive producer of ESPN back in 1979, so he knows his stuff, and he's been around sports, uh, now retired from ESPN. Uh, he wrote a great article, an in-depth article, uh, dissecting the flag football revolution and uh, just to your point uh, that that prize money is real it's something that i know is being a part of a um organization and, and organizations in the past that perhaps struggled to pay their players and struggled to uh maybe philosophically decided to turn their semi-pro league into more of a let's say a volunteer uh recreational activity that there exists a need to incentivize not only for the sake of providing opportunities and but providing a pathway because if you're a parent right if you're a parent and um, a sport let's say let's say it's tennis or soccer or whatever it might be uh, baseball football basketball appeals to your your uh, child um, you might be looking at it and a lot of parents do not everyone as a way to either gain a college scholarship or to put money into training Right, so that your child has an opportunity to, uh, you know, basically utilize their God-given skills and perhaps turn it into a, a scholarship, which could turn into maybe a professional contract. Now, um, you're right uh, in that I, I think that we're here in the infancy in a very exciting stage in in women's football, and I can't believe I'm saying that because 10 years ago or so, I thought that we were onto something with the lingerie football league. But I will say the products that are out there right now are so incredibly exciting um, and not taking anything away from the great female uh, athletes, uh, a lot of D1 stars that populated LFL rosters back in 2009, 10, 11, 12, and so on. But there is that need, though, to have more of a structured, you know, youth league um, format, um, youth league programs bubbling up, you know, throughout the country and ultimately feeding into high schools, as you've seen, which ultimately feed into some NAIA schools like we discussed offline, um, but ultimately bringing that into D1, D2, D3 schools, just as mainstream as women's volleyball or women's basketball, and ultimately assisting with Title IX, you know, and, and the, the quotas that are out there for schools to receive funding and achieve compliance under Title IX. Jim, you think the NCAA will eventually take it on? I mean, my uh, assessment of looking at, at a bigger scope would be like maybe an SEC to take it on, right? One of the major conferences to really, uh, you know, uplift it. I know the NIA took it on because it's literally a separation from, you know, the NCAA completely. 
but it is given more opportunities in that sense where it's a, ju- a JUCO uh, type of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're basically seeking some of the, uh, the JUCO athletes that go uh-huh. to NAIA, you know, because of the cost or whatever it is for, for, for college. Uh-huh. But do you feel like the SEC or the ACC, you think maybe somebody on the East Coast is going to put that into place? So, Oscar, you and I both know, and I think our, your esteemed audience out there has, is living in an age, a digital age unlike any other, where content is king. So if I'm, if I'm a conference like the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC or the Pac-12 or even the Big – I'd say the Big 12 would be ripe for something like this as well, uh, considering um, how some of, uh, their, you know, some of their realignment issues over the years, that if there is money to be made on the broadcast side, just as it was with other startup leagues in the past who were able to float for a while because they had TV deals, cash is king. If people are willing to put money behind it, coverage behind it, ultimately that incentivizes, uh, I think that incentivizes the NCAA more than anything. Can they make, is right. money, is there money to be made? Is, you know, the cash cow in uh, college is football and men's basketball. Um, it isn't so much baseball or softball or women's volleyball for that matter. Um, so there are certain sports that really resonate. I think, especially in the U.S., that there is a thirst for something different, and it's not necessarily an offshoot of the NFL, no offense to the XFL, but something like this could really transform the game. It's not as gimmicky as some other things, you know, that might be out there. It's real. It's regulated. And ultimately, if the broadcast executives, wherever they may be, see an opportunity, like CBS has in some respects, um, to, to get on board, then that could mean everything. That could open up a door and leave it wide open for generations of aspiring female athletes to pursue their dream. And especially, um, not to pontificate too much, Oscar, apologize, but you know, when you look at it, how many options exist in a realistic way um, uh, that divert uh, from the traditional uh, women's volleyball, you know, uh, or you have to be in tackle football or whatever it might be. I think flag is the future. Um, but even for those uh, ladies who are playing tackle football, I mean, I think that they're part, been part of something great. And I still see that tackle football has the future, whether it's recreationally or professionally. But the real key, like you said, is normalizing flag football on a mass scale and ultimately um, hopefully bringing in more uh, ad revenue and TV dollars because that will be what sustains it over time. Not, you know, one league here or there that might have a YouTube deal uh, for a few days, uh, not an MTV contract that comes and goes depending on ownership um, of a given privately held uh, league it's going to be right at the ground floor, right at building the right structure so that um, ultimately from the grade school level, there's an incentive, right, to continue to grow and build and stay within, you know, within the flag football um, realm. We had so many people, so many gifted athletes that had to take on another sport, even though they love football, because frankly, those options outside of punting or kicking weren't really available to them you know, at the collegiate level. I think you make a big point there because, uh, you know, there, there, there's an actual opening now in that sense with the flag uh, streamline on if they can get streamlined really well, like the AIFL Pro paying, paying some of that and it becoming a pro uh, aspect of it. I think they're really going to be 
more incentivized to go to that level. And then, like you said, the option's still there to, you know, if you're a physical type of athlete and you want physicality, there will be an option maybe to go to tackle, whether it's, you know, it ever goes pro or whether it's rec. But the the collegiate level, I think if, you know, if you can get like a, a Duke or you can get a uh, a major college out on the East Coast as an example, because Florida's right next door and that's, uh, Florida's like a high school hotbed for, for uh, girls football in terms of tack- uh, flag, in other words. So that could be a starter point there as well. So I'm excited to see if the NCAA really will take that leap of faith, right, in terms of whether it starts at Division Three as an example, or maybe they put it at, on the Division Two level, uh, things like that. So, but sports ed TV, what would, how would it benefit uh, a female athlete that is interested in flag and wants to enhance their skills in terms of flag? Is that something you guys are so, going to be able to benefit that? Ultimately, we're working on partnerships with uh, youth-related football organizations. Uh, to be candid, football hasn't really been our, our chief focus. We've built out an apparatus that um, that encompasses, you know, about seven sports where we have instructional videos online, uh, such as basketball, tennis, taekwondo, weightlifting, soccer, that kind of thing. Um, but we have an indispensable um, you know, number of blogs, things that people can read, you know, like articles that you can read from some of the top coaches in the, in the uh, sports world. As it relates to strength and conditioning, we have a, a nice um, football outlet um, for people interested in football where, you know, whether you're male or female, you know, it's, it's the, the skills are universal, really, you know, what the skill set that you need, the mentality that you need to have, getting your head in the right place, getting your body up to speed, um, you know, all those things are universal. So we have that. And, and no matter what your ultimate goal is, even if you're a two-sport athlete, three-sport three athlete, you know, Sports Ed TV is a place where you can go not only to access information or instructional videos um, for free, um, but also a place where you can connect with other people, connect with facilities in your community. You can connect with a community of people who are like-minded and love sports and coaches who really care about your um, well-being and your performance over time. We have this nice uh, premium feature we'll be um, unveiling soon called Sports My Sports Ed TV, and it's pretty simple. It's about $12 a year, pretty, pretty uh, affordable for most people, and it gives you great access to a bunch of other features as well. So, I mean, ultimately, we'd like to be, and we're trying to build a one-stop shop for Anyone in the world, no matter what you're trying to learn, including flag, including tackle, whatever it might be, we're striving to bring more content to your fingertips every day, or at least try to connect you uh, through our Sports Ed TV Discover product, the right facilities and, and in your area um, that you can find out more information, maybe get some hands-on instruction as well. So it's an exciting venture. Um, we are still a bit new to football, but uh, not brand new. And certainly uh, with my involvement and my background, I certainly have an appreciation for, uh, for, especially for the women's game. And so we'll be pursuing that further. Now, Jim, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the content and some of the uh, uh, information, as you just uh, noted here is very valuable because if, if you're an athlete and you're looking for an edge or you're in a league that obviously is top, top level league, everybody is always looking for something of a, you know, something to get a leg up on other other athletes as well. 
Absolutely. And this goes, again, well beyond just a specialty skill, right, or learning a specialty skill. It's how to prepare your body. Maybe for some people, it's even how to prepare your mind, how to, how to mm-hmm. you know, nutrition. We have, you know, we have dozens of, um, uh, dozens of blogs, blog articles that focus on something that's other, something other than, you know, a, a skill set. Um, a great article, football-related, titled Being Control of Your Destiny. And it's it's basically you know all about you know it, you know training, eating, sleeping, deep like going deeper than um, training, eating, or sleeping. You know, like basically building confidence in yourself and your skills, um, even when you might doubt yourself. So there's a lot of motivational, um, a lot of instructional, and a lot of um, just you name it, we have it. So it's it's, it's an invaluable resource, in my humble opinion. Now, Jim, uh, you've seen the the women's game in terms of the tackle side. You've seen it at the indoor arena level. Now you get, you're seeing it front and center with, you know, the WFA, the WNFC, with uh, you know certain uh, uh, arrangements. Now, um, WFA has got FTF for the fans arrangement. You have WNFC with the Vire Sports app. So there's a lot of inroads here. Where do you think the LFL failed? They had MTV at some point. They were the breakout, the new innovation. We thought we were going to get true professional tackle women's football in our major arenas, and it just didn't mature. Do you feel like that that uh, with the X League venture here, the rebrand, you got you know Mike Ditka involved. Uh, it's kind of like a reset for me. You know, me and you, you were there at the height level of it within the first five years of it, and we all thought, you know, this was going to go big, right? This was going to be the change for that women were going to get paid at some point. We knew it was going to be like, you can't pay right away. But you figured five years later, there would have been some sort of arrangement to where women would have gotten paid. My point is, the LFL could have been, right, the women's pro league that would could have helped out everybody else to another level. Absolutely. I, I think that um, the brain trust that, that founded the LFL was onto something, and they knew it. And they were scrappy. And at the, at the onset of the league, I think the, the goals were very noble uh, in terms of elevating the sport while also simultaneously securing exposure, and no pun intended, of course, but like exposure through media that, um, that no other women's football brand has ever you know, achieved. Now, one of the big challenges, I think, one of the big successes, I will say, first and foremost, is that the LFL did secure broadcast rights, not only in the U.S., but across, you know, across the globe, which helped, of course, fund um, it funded the operation, to be honest. Uh, that, that was a big, uh, big deal. So broadcast rights and securing those and maintaining those relationships are absolutely key. I think that, you know, like in any organization, and, uh, you know, I, I was involved at a fairly uh, reasonably high level, uh, for a period of time with, with the league. Um, yeah, the ladies were, were paid uh, at, at first. The athletes were paid. And then slowly but surely, you know, there was some kind of justification made not to do that. And it's okay if you're transparent about it and people continue to play. That's my view. But ultimately, if you're going to turn it into a true professional, even semi-professional league, uh, it's important that players are not only compensated, but that there is a medical insurance or at least some options, especially in a full contact 
you know, sport uh, available. And that over the years seemed to dwindle a bit, in my opinion. And ultimately, you know, there's obviously a high um, turnover rate, um, as you would expect. Um, and where they, I, I don't know, you know, where do they fail? I, I, that's a very good question. I could go about seven different ways. Where do you want me to start? Well, the reason I say <laughs> fail in a way is because there was a lot of things, you know, that were hyped up in terms of uh, relationships, in terms of press, right? There was a lot of news that was going to sure. go. It was branded. Uh, you know, MTV deal was great. It was literally on its on its way to maybe making it a staple brand, right? Kind of like a, a, w, a mm. WWE in a lot of ways. Mm. And then all of a sudden it, mm. it got pulled back. Right for whatever reason, was it internal? Was it in, internal differences in, between uh, ownership or you know leadership or internal yeah, differences so, between yeah? The I see where you're going. As an example, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So I think there's, that, just, there's, a, yeah, there's a lot of so, things that were yeah that were just different. You know what I mean? That you, you saw you saw what could have been, and all of a sudden it was just like under the rug once again in square one. So the broadcast world is a very small world. You know, there's especially here in North America, and so. I think they're building relationships with key stakeholders within, you know, certain levels of, uh, like, say, a Viacom or a, a Fox Sports or whoever it might be, CBS, um, NBC, whoever, you know, is, is critical. Um, you can't burn bridges. You have to ultimately hit, you know, you have to review your contracts, right? And you have to go letter by letter and cross every I and dot every T when you're dealing with, you know, especially live video production. And I think – one of the Achilles heel, I believe, for and it's it's not really casting blame um, necessarily me casting blame on a, you know the LFL hierarchy of that time, but it's more that there were associated costs with live production that ultimately fell on the LFL and that were not necessarily adequately budgeted for. Satellite sure. cost a lot of money. Uh, I remember we had a All Star game in Hamilton, Ontario, in 2011. It was a just a um, rip roar in time in Hamilton, and uh, the, one of the issues uh, now we it was produced and it, it did air live successfully. Um, but one of the issues I remember was a budgetary issue uh, between MTV2 and uh, and LFL leadership over um, satellite truck costs. Now, you know, to be fair, LFL had not really gone live in the past much at all. Like mm-hmm. uh, the MTV content, I, I recall a certain production company out of Chicago producing their uh, the, every game like on a delay for delivery to MTV2 a week late. So you'd have week delayed games, 30-second episodes that ultimately air on MTV. That's a very different scenario to have a full week to put together a product as opposed to live. So I think there were some cost overruns for sure. Um, there's been some conjecture and, and some accusations regarding internal spending, and certainly some players took to social media, and there were some people in uh, within the LFL offices that, that took to social media to showcase, I guess, executive spending and things like that. But I, I don't want to get too far into that because that's a slippery slope. Let's just say that the product, I believe, was on its way to uh, greatness. I believe that there were certainly modifications as salacious as the marketing hook was um, and, and the uniform and, and what it was in 2009 to what it turned into in 20, even 2012. A lot more athletes, many, you know, fewer models, but still a lot of controversy. And it's, you know, you can Google my name and LFL and you'll find me on a bevy of press releases across the 
<laughs> you know, from the from the past. Um, you know, selling what I thought was uh, ultimately going to turn into something uh, really good for the athlete. And I'm really disappointed that it never seemed to, with the exception of um, a couple of all-star tours about 10 years ago now, Oscar, uh, Mexico City, and yep. ultimately Sydney and Brisbane. No, but the, the, the reason the, I bring the, it the up female is... athletes, you know, in the LFL, a lot of them, honestly, didn't even have to be paid that much, in my opinion. Uh, you know, in terms of they weren't asking for an incredible amount. They were just simply, you know, being asked to uh, be respected for what they're putting on the line. And I think it, we'll see what happens. I, I almost forgot that there was a, uh, and what is it called? The X, X league, you said X league coming up here in June. Yep. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Mike Ditka, uh, Mike Ditka. I was uh, not aligned with the LFL uh, during their inaugural game at the Sears center in Chicago, the Chicago bliss and the Miami uh, Caliente um, was there as a guest of, you may remember Justin Schoenrock, uh, J-Rock, who was uh, mm-hmm. uh, very much involved with the league way back when, um, really elevated their broadcast product at the very beginning, um, and the lingerie bowls prior to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had some tickets and went, and Mike Ditka was there. It's very interesting. Mike Ditka was there, and he's continues to resurface in uh, uh, rebranding efforts, but um, I, I visited their site once or twice. I saw a trailer. I wish them well. Uh, it's certainly become quite a bit more difficult these days to stand out. Um, and, you know, I just wish them well. Jim, if you are advising the two tackle leagues now with some, some major sponsors and they're getting some relationships with, you know, with some uh, networks, things like that, what would you, they're doing live like uh, WNFC yeah. did a full year live, which had never been done in the history of women's tackle football was like over 40 yeah. years. Um, so what is, what would be your advice at this point to maintain relationships, to elevate the product? I mean, what would you advise the two tackle leagues to, to get penetration, to get some traction and maybe like you said, get somebody like a CVS sports to really take them on as partners? Well, I, I think it's it's very important to think big, right, and align yourself strategically with whether it's brands, right, or um, strategic partners that can help you elevate your overall product, whether that's next year or in five or ten years. And and not to bring it back necessarily for, you know, personal purposes so much as Sports Ed TV, but what I think, you know, is, is a platform like Sports Ed TV is helpful um, two brands like this, like in terms of strategic partnerships, in terms of elevating profiles of whether it's leaders, stars, coaches, right, um, mm-hmm. to reach the mass audience, right, to ingrain yourself, whether it's a sports ed TV or someone else, you know, strategic partnerships to basically take the megaphone from off the sidelines, bring it on right all the way onto the 50-yard line and scream, <laughs> You know, shout as loud as you can, even with that megaphone to reach as many people around the world as you can, as cheaply as you can, right, as cost-effectively as you can. And so um, this dovetails perfectly. I know you're, you're probably hoping or you're probably thinking that I might answer it like, well, you know, you have to go to this conference or that conference or, you know, try to make a, make a couple cold calls and uh, hope you, hopefully you get the president of CBS Sports on the line and they love it. You know, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think – not giving up if things go sideways, maybe. You know, like live production mm-hmm. is not easy. Um, also, though, 
you know, investing a little bit of money or finding someone to help um, defray your cost, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the level of quality or the approach, you know, that's been taken by those leagues in terms of their broadcast, you know, the product. But um, I think that, you know, the LFL product, I, I can't, that's the one thing I can, I can point to is I, I really felt that the LFL product, even in, in recent years, was halfway decent. It wasn't, you know, earth-shattering, but there were certainly some good games that, that as a spectator, whether it's on YouTube or, um, you know, MTV or whatever, that they were pretty reasonably well done, uh, everything considered, but still a far cry from, you know, your NFL broadcast because, you know, the, the dollars involved just don't match what Fox or, you know, ESPN put behind a, a production. So um, just do simple better. Like Joe Madden, the uh, MLB manager, says, do simple better. That would be my advice. Just focus on the fundamentals. Do what you do well. Um, don't try to bite off more than you can chew too fast. And at the same time, seek out strategic partnerships with brands. You never know, even if it isn't a large brand you know, right now, if it's a small brand or a mid-tier brand, they can certainly, if they grow, if nothing else, they can open, possibly open more doors to you than you ever knew existed. So that's, that's a bit general, but, uh, you know, it's hard to evaluate. It's a very difficult market, but you would think that, you know, if you have a decent product and it's covered fairly well and you can build wraparound coverage, whether it's a pregame show, whether it's documentaries, whether it's Instagram or TikTok, or you can, you can at least put a portfolio together, then in this world right now that's so crazed for content, you'll be able to find a partner. And I think if I think the tail of the tape will be whether or not uh, getting back to um, the uh, the X League, if they can't secure a deal, and I don't think this is controversial, if if they can't secure a deal of any sports league, forget them for a second. If any sports league these days cannot secure any kind of a sponsorship deal with any brand in order to push their product uh, out to the masses or fund it at least at a decent enough quality, then that brand's not going anywhere fast. It's just a rec league. And that's all I have to say about well, we that. Have the, Jim, we also have failure of the spring leagues, the men's spring leagues. There's always uh, uh, somebody wanting to fit the bill for that. The frustration on the women's side is nobody's willing to fit the bill for a, a product that obviously doesn't have a reach factor, right? Because men's Men's uh, football, whether it be non-NFL as an example, still has the interest, right? The interest is there for men's football, but the, the bottom line and, is and that's a, nobody, yeah, and that's the challenge. Nobody's too. been yeah, able I think to like compare say, it. Yeah. We're going to take on that venture, you know, to like women's football. We're going to we're going to gamble on women's football as an example, but they're they're willing to gamble on you know a third tier, second tier classified league as an example. Of men's football. Yeah, but I th and I 100% understand that. I mean, you see the the disparity between the and, and I'm a, I'm a sports consumer as you know well, like anyone else, mm -hmm. and I'm a bit of a chauvinist in that way. Where you know, if it's a women's basketball game versus an NBA game or a college game or a WNBA game versus an NBA game, I'm going to NBA because well, just physically, you're you're going to be entertained. I think a little bit more. However, I'm equally um, I, I it just it's kind of like being more of a casual fan on the women's side for me 
simply because mm-hmm. I can watch UConn, right? We just had the women's national basketball – or sorry, women's college national basketball championship, national college basketball championship. I absolutely love dynasties, man. I, I love the, the Patriots. I don't love the Patriots, but, you know, I respect the Patriots. I respect the UConn basketball, you know, women's basketball. And so I'll, I'll tune in for that stuff, and that's kind of interesting to me. But as the masses, I think you're right. It, it's hard to market that, and that's where – Let's say the LFL had something going, at least a peak interest, because the one thing is you can say whatever you want about about uh, uh, was it Commissioner Mitch, uh, Commissioner Mitch, but the one thing that um, that you, you that the one thing I think that most people would come away saying, whether you thought it was a gimmick or not, is that once you actually got through the turnstile, sat in your seat, or stood up. After about five minutes, you forget what the players are wearing because it's an entertaining product, but it's getting people in the door without the gimmick. That's the, that's the challenge, right? So I think it's just mm-hmm. a culture shift. You know, it's, it's, it's really creating an inclusive environment at the lower levels in terms of, you know, like uh, capitalizing on parents' interest in non-contact, uh, especially for the – I'm sorry, I know we're talking tackle, but in flag to start. Is it kind of like the gateway to the next level and basically building it from scratch? You know, we have a, we have a, uh, uh, we have a executive director of volleyball who happens to be a, has two PhDs in um, sports related um, PhDs. And, and one thing that he has been studying, which is a great thing specifically has been women's football as the next frontier, the next big thing that could blow up just from a, straight up Title IX, you know, schools being out of uh, compliance, that kind of thing. And so I know I'm meandering a bit regarding your original question, but I'm so passionate about believing that women's football can succeed if the right structure is laid. You have too many leagues right now that are doing their own thing, uh, and that's fine. But ultimately, there needs to be someone that can forge those strategic partnerships that ultimately get a product to market, like a, a good enough product that someone wants to put some money behind because aesthetically it looks good. And I'm not talking about the players or the uniforms. I'm talking about the product is good because the competition is good, but also the wraparound coverage is great. And there's something else to sell because brands are trying to sell to specific demographics. And I think you really have to look at not just the millennial and, and Gen Y, Gen Z. How are you marketing your product to them? you know, in the end, and it might take away from the integrity of what you think you're building right now. But, you, but I think if you want to win the future, to quote my quote-unquote favorite president, um, Mr. Obama, just kidding, um, editorial comment there. Well, to win the future, sure. though, you have to just – you have to be patient, and you have to be methodical about how you're building something and, and – and, Think about what the next 20 years are looking like and what you want that to look like because what's, what hasn't worked in the past has been, um, well, relying on, let's say, a sultan. That's my nickname for certain uh, individuals. The sultan, one sultan that decides whether or not a marketable women's football brand makes it or not because if you rely on one person and one entity and they're the only game in town, if all they're doing is chasing headlines or they're not responsible with money or they can't 
maintain relationships with sponsors or broadcast partners, then you're sunk, and your whole movement's stuck at that point. And I think women's yeah. football, like like a, uh, our uh, Dr. Jilton Zamata believes here at Sports Ed TV, it is about to just blow up. And I think, like I said, flag is the way to start, but ultimately if it does graduate to, to more of a robust tackle um, product uh, down the line, you know, in the professional, um, the, it, we just have to be patient but smart. And that's a lot, very easy for someone to say who isn't directly involved in it. But I think that that's how I would go about it if I were trying to build a league. It's You do have to find some buy-in somewhere. And I think if, if, if female empowerment in, in the – I would just argue that more of a virtue signaling crowd, like female empowerment now, Women's History Month. If in this environment, women can't be celebrated, even even as a virtue signaling, you know, uh, situation, right? Even if a company doesn't necessarily believe everything you're selling, there should be companies out there that say, female, women, oh, we're in, where do we sign? Blank check, right? Someone has to capitalize mm-hmm. on that. It'd be greedy. Capitalize. Take their money. Make sure they can uh, obviously get it back down the line. But anyway, uh, it's a little unfiltered commentary. So I apologize to your audience, but I, I believe in the product. I think it can succeed, but it's going to take some time. Jim, the only thing I was stressing since I've been covering it for a long time is the, the LFL had a markability mentality where ta- women's tackle was lacking that i really think now the two leagues understand that right they get some sponsors mm-hmm. but with the same token you still have to have some really good markability so i think they've done a better job of using the markability structure with social media with some of the social media platforms and i think that's also generating a lot more interest you're getting a lot more partnerships uh, things like that so yeah. i really think that we have, we've come a long way in other words that's what i'm saying is to, for utilizing the, the full potential uh, platforms like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, as an example, to leverage and bring awareness. Yeah, and it's just knowing your audience, right? Knowing who's going to buy yeah. tickets, knowing who you're trying to reach, and 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 catering your content to them. Like they, you're the product, you know. And regardless of how whether you're a purist or not, it better be entertaining. Otherwise, there's no point to to watch. I mean, unless you're super passionate about, you know, your friend or sister or neighbor or whoever it is, you know, who's, who's playing or coaching it. I think that was the, that was the issue in the past, right? Is that, yes, there were these great athletes who are playing um, tackle football at, um, you know, in a, in a park somewhere, right? We're talking a public park or something um, that might get some coverage on Facebook, a couple photos here and there, but could never really compete with more of the glitz of, you know, let's just say the LFL of, of its of the time, um, but that's heartening to hear. You know, there's more leagues thinking strategically in that way. Um, I think ultimately it might take a generation, uh, maybe less than that. But a flag football is coming on and it's real. And if nothing else, that that um, that's a very good sign. So I would say flag is uh, flag is going to be the gateway to mainstream. Um, Women's tackle, I wish them all the best, though. Um, and that's just not taking anything away from them. But I would say strategic partnerships to reach people who don't even necessarily embrace American football is, is another thing, too. Maybe opening up, you know, like, like in Mexico and other places, right, like there are leagues. Um, but 
really trying to foster uh, the next generation of athletes around the world, trying to turn it as global, you know, as possible, um, is, is critical. Jim, you feel like at this point uh, the the tackle leagues, uh, as I've been talking to a lot of coaches and a lot of a lot of people within the within the community, you feel like at this point it's a must for some of these major teams that are high level teams to create a flag league as well. I think that's got to be a priority, don't you think? As a feeder type, I, I th- yeah, and I think there's no way. And I look, I don't want to throw cold water on some really passionate people who I respect, athletes that I respect. But I don't think the future is tackle. You know, I, I don't think that's the way to go. I, now, look, who am I, right? Um, I was involved with a, what ultimately turned into a rebrand after a rebrand after a rebrand of a tackle football league that, that you know, I would say turned a little bit flag at times. But um, I, I think that, yeah, the path forward really is to embrace flag. Uh, I honestly, that's just, that's just my personal opinion. Um, because I think that you're going to have, you need, you need athletes, right? You need, in order to grow yeah. the game and make it the best, the best that it can be, you know, look at the men's game, for example. And that's what I think where I'm going here is, is where I'm trying to go. The NFL and college football, they hit pound for pound just as hard as the women's game. However, it's just wildly entertaining, and there's a lot of marketing dollars and muscle, obviously, behind those products. They're very difficult. Even other men's leagues, right, like the Arena Football League of its day and World Football League, USFL, the uh, – what was the Alliance? I don't remember. XFL, you know, was trying to come back. But the XFL got it right. Instead of trying to compete directly against the NFL, now they're trying to partner with the NFL and seems to have a strategic partnership there. Right. Just so it, it's I don't think that the women's game can directly compete with the men's game for the same eyeballs um, and be successful. I mean, in that way. But I do think flag, if you can grow it at the roots, like, you know, you build it through grade school, up through high school, college, really a movement. Ultimately, the, the quality of athlete that you're going to get at that point who specialized in that sport for years is going to rival the boys, right, who, uh, yep. who make up yep. the NFL. So I think, I think people might be looking at it, in my opinion, maybe, I don't want to say the wrong way, but if they look at it in a different way, perhaps there is a pathway forward for uh, financial viability long term because you're not, the product isn't the same as the NFL. You know, and I know that maybe there will be a men's flag football, but there's something to be said for, well, why can't it be men and women? playing football why can't there be why can't flag football be that be one of the few sports that can involve men and women top athletes you know there's this, like no real contact per se and uh just if you can run you, you can run if you can catch you can catch yep if you have agility you have agility and, you got, you and, got and that's tournaments I, you know, nationwide that allow you to do that so that's right. at a high and level so why can't that be the future and right, again, to exactly. channel my favorite president, why can't you write the future? Why can't you have hope? Exactly. You know. Yeah. And I'm no no comedian, but you know, I'm just no, spitballing no, no. here. And I really think that that's a big that's a big point you're making there because it really has to div- you have to be different in a lot of ways, but at the same at the same time, 
the focus is still that one sport, right? The overall uh, attitude yeah. of that sport. But it just diff- like you said, yeah. the marketing's got to be the approach has to be different. Um, so everybody can go to sportedtv.com and you get uh, a lot of content there. Uh, Jim's uh, done a wonderful job there with his other uh, folks that are involved with that. So sportedtv.com. Uh, you are going to be uh, getting, uh, you said, football, more football content at this point, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, related to it. So looking forward to that. So anything else that maybe we didn't talk about um, in terms of sports at TV? You know what? Again, we're, we're just looking to democratize the sports learning process, and we're doing so by we're just trying to connect people with information, um, and, and they can use it as they see fit. But if they follow, you know, if you follow our blog, you follow us on social media, uh, go to our site, check out what we're about. I think you'll find in some way, shape, or form that there's something there for everyone. There's, whether it's, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what sport you're specializing in or if, even if you have a passing interest in something, there's always something that can be taken from our, you know, our dozens of uh, contributors who are you know, any, anywhere from you know, their PhD level to Olympic coaches to uh, pro athletes, pro coaches, um, active people. Um, you know, it's, there's something for everyone. So, you know, whether you love tackle football or you, you think flag football is the next thing, uh, it's, there's, a, there's something there, like I said, for everyone. And we're, we're, building, uh, we're, we're building something, I think, big. And we, uh, we invite you along for the ride. So uh, feel free to check us out. All right, Jim. Thank you for making the time again. I really, really appreciate it. Looking forward to, uh, you know, the content there. I'm going to keep tabs on it. And always welcome to come back and give us some insights as, as it grows, especially uh, in terms of the football side of things. We'd li- really like to get our audience involved there too as well. All right. Thanks, Oscar. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you down the line. Appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Safe travels and enjoy Thanks. it. Thanks. All right, guys. That was uh, Jim Wallen uh, from uh, Sports Ed TV, Director of Video and Production. Wanted to bring him on here because we've kind of built a little relationship over time, and he's able to, uh, you know, give us some insights. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring him in here is so he can give us some perspective from an outsider type mentality. He was involved with the uh, at the heyday of the LFL, which everybody thought at one point or another that was going to be a breakthrough product for women's sports, and it was going to elevate, uh, you know the sport to a level of pay to, you know, get paid to play in major arenas nationwide. And it just didn't mature TV deals. As he talked about the, the drawbacks, uh, things with mismanagement, uh, the fact that you had different athletes could not be sustained, even though they were, you know, top level athletes from college and in a lot of levels of skill sets just didn't mature. So there's a perspective from a person that obviously what was at the highest level of, of, you know, of, of a product that could have blown up into something bigger, that could have given women the opportunity to have gotten paid to play at a at an arena level, and it did not mature. The fact point now, we have two major leagues in the tackle side that are making ends road with major sponsors, making ends roads with uh, contracts with major uh, players on television side of things. It's really hopeful, and to his point, uh, you know, the stress is, you know, women's tackle football has to look at, competing with men's football at a different level. And that may be the, the, the road will be through supporting flag football at its highest potential because flag football will either be the better uh, road for some parents to accept the, an athlete to go into a non-contact sport, but also some of the tackle leagues will have to try to 
strategically create girls' flag footballs to utilize them as feeder systems, whether uh, because in the back of the day, as an example, a lot of them were recruiting from major high schools from other sports. And to his point, why not set up a chain that will create the feeder system that you can pull a couple players annually from that or a bundle of players from that that will transform themselves into tackle football players and also sustain your tackle side of the brand. So it's got to be a unison uh, combination where you have flag football and tackle football kind of united in one push forward uh, for the sport to be, uh, you know, realized general media and the mass and the masses and for inventor capitalists or people that want to invest and to get it to a level where women are going to get paid to play women's uh, football, whether it be on a flag side or whether on the tackle side. So interesting conversation, really good insights. It's the reason I wanted to bring him on. Uh, go check out sportsedtv.com. He's got a great content there. Uh, so thanks to Jim Wallen for coming in here and giving us those, that feedback. We're going to go into the uh, second Monkey Knife Five huddle, and we're going to be talking to the talented Molly Richardson of the Florida Avengers, the quarterback. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Knife Fight, MLB kicking off here, and also NBA playoffs. Get a $5 free play. Use the code NJF to get started. Let's bring in the Florida Avenger quarterback, Molly Richardson. Uh, and she was uh, one of the uh, quarterbacks of week one in the WNFC. And uh, what, what an exciting weekend uh, all over the WNFC. So, Molly, uh, thanks for making the time. I know you're getting off of practice. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had practice uh, tonight, just got done. So, glad I could make it on. Awesome. Molly. Uh, kind of exciting weekend for the uh, WNFC. A lot of close games nationwide over in Oregon, double overtime. Uh, really, really hotbed games over in in Alabama, seven to zero. Your game not as contested, but there's some things to be said. You know, there's a week one that you're coming off the blocks. Everybody's somewhat rusty in a lot of sense. You know, trying to get everything put together. So, what what do you what do you say of your game against um, Washington Prodigy? I definitely think the first half was, was a learning for um, – we have a lot of, you know, rookies and, and some newer faces in different positions. So it was definitely a, a good first look. Um, if you look at the score line, uh, our second half was 6 to nothing. So, uh, you know, the, the score kind of doesn't show the, the kind of back and forth mm-hmm. of a game it was. Um, most, of the, most of the touchdowns were on long runs. Um, we held them to 34 yards passing. Um, you know, stopped them a handful of times. So I, I was proud of the way we stepped up in the second half and um, held them held them off from you know making a twenty-one to nothing at halftime game, forty-two or more. You know, in the second half, like you know, some teams um, some teams will get down and, and kind of throw in the towel, and we didn't do that. So uh, I was really proud of our team. Okay, Molly. I'll just I'll full disclosure here. I did pick the Avengers to beat Washington. It just didn't happen. But I'll just be full disclosure up there because that's what I did last weekend. So, uh, so I was on your bandwagon, the W. <laughs> it just didn't well, happen. I so, uh, yeah, no problem. Um, well, you can. You, I'll go ahead and say you can. You can eye that that that, that matchup later in the season. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
Uh, looking forward. I, I mean, you guys had a really good season uh, before, you know, at the end of the season, you guys were, were really well as well. Let me bring in Mark Simone here to kind of dive into it as well. Um, so, Molly, uh, what do you think uh, needs to change here for week two for you to, to, to get that W? Honestly, I just think execution. Um, you know, there are, you know, looking at, so you, you talked about the other games going on. The only game I've watched is our game and then the Alabama-Atlanta game because we play Alabama upcoming. So, but if you, you know, if you look at our, you look at our film, you know, it was just some missed assignments on blocking, you know, some, some routes that weren't as crisp as they could have, should have been, and just little things here and there. So I think, you know, fine-tuning what we were doing and, and, you know, going into the first game, the thing that is, you know, for somebody who loves the, the game, film is like my best friend. So mm-hmm. we don't have film on week one, right? So now having film on an Alabama, granted they could completely change it if they wanted to, um, it kind of gives us an idea of what we're looking at. And we played them last year. We didn't play Washington last year, so we didn't really get a, a look mm-hmm. at them last year. So I think – um, this upcoming week, I think we're really just going to focus on execution and, you know, making sure we're doing what we need to be doing and, and blocking the right people and doing the right assignment. All right, Molly, you're uh, one of the LFL experience type of players, <laughs> uh, faster game seven on seven, and now you're playing 11s. Um, so it's a different aspect of it, but still mobility is one of your key points. Um, you think your arm strength is there? What do you what do you think you you know you, you have a to work on at this point the the Avengers uh you know to be somewhat of more of an offensive threat and get that going? Yeah, well, two two things there. You know, you'd think coming to eleven man, I would have more time, but I did not this past weekend. You know, I was counting the the seconds I had the ball in my hand, and I might have beat some NFL people with getting the ball out quickly because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. You know, you mentioned arm strength. That's For me, it's just always going to be, like, the thing that doesn't put me, you know, at the top of the – I'm not going to win an arm-throwing competition. Um, I right. think what makes me a good QB is uh, my knowledge of the game. Um, I grew up with football and, and understand the schemes and reading the defense. And, um, you know, we, we have some, you know, RPOs and things like that, which, you know, we showed last week. And so, you know, I think I think the biggest thing for me improvement-wise is – uh, getting reps in 11-man. Uh, it's been – I played quarterback in 11-man before the LFL, and but it's been maybe five, six years. So just getting those reps back at um, – behind a, a big line, right, uh, an uh, 11-man line. Yeah, no, I, I really think the difference there is because I've talked to a lot of players, they go from a 7-on-7 experience and they go into the outdoor game, and it's a totally different mindset depending on your skill set and where you're positioned at. But – um, do you feel like the short passing game could be an advantage for you guys since arm strength becomes kind of a, you know, a detrimental thing with some, some teams where they want to throw and air it out, you know, with other teams, but do you feel like the run game is going to be your thing? I mean, you guys, like to your point, you didn't at, at the last quarter there, you guys did hold them to six zero. It wasn't such a, a, a big deal and after all in the second half. So at, at this point it's more of adjustments, right? Well, from a running game perspective, um, you know, that's where we missed, you know, I mean, we did miss assignments on passing as well, but that's where we, we really hurt ourselves um, in the in the run game. I mean, if you look at our stats, I don't know if our stats are published, but um, we had, if you discount the sack yards, we had four yards rushing. 
and we had mm-hmm. 142 yards passing. So, um, you know, most, you know, quick game, long game, I'm not afraid to throw a deep nine. I think the biggest thing is, is that the right read? Because I'm not out here to just make, be a one trick thrower, right? Like I'm, I'm going to spread right. the ball around. I'm going to read and, and do my best to read and, and find the open receiver. And if that happens to be a slant or if that happens to be a nine because they're press coverage and getting beat, I'm happy to do it either way. So I think, I think the biggest thing for us is just making sure we make the correct adjustments um, based on what we see in film, based on what we see in the first half, and we come out in the second half and do better. Um, we made some adjustments at halftime and moved the ball. Um, actually, we made adjustments a little bit earlier in the second quarter too, but, and, and we were able to throw the ball pretty well and move the ball down the field. I think we got to like the 20, 30-yard lines you know, in that area, not necessarily red zone, but we got into that area at least two or three times. We just weren't able to punch it in. Um, primarily, you know, run game, not not as crisp and sharp as we would have liked. So I think if we can get the run game going and we can be a threat on, on both, I think that's going to just open everything up. All right. Let me uh, bring in Mark Simone here, the backseat coach, to kind of pick your brain here for a couple minutes. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, hi, Molly. Uh, it's nice to meet hi. you. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Um, by the way, the stats are up. Um, so that's really great to just be able to look at everything. And um, it, it did sort of resonate with me, um, uh, Austria's question, and, and maybe another way of putting it is, uh, how do you envision your team, you know, what do you want your team to look like? Uh, obviously, um, you did pretty well with passing the ball and um, had some struggles with um, with rushing in this game against uh, the Prodigy, which quite frankly doesn't surprise me. They have a pretty stout run defense. Yeah, they do. <laughs> They're a very experienced team. But um, do you, you know, I, I'm not um, deeply familiar with your personnel in terms of receivers, running backs, what kind of depth you have um, at those skill positions. But, yeah, how, how do you envision – the offense, uh, uh, what team do you want to be? Well, without giving away too much inside information, I'm just kidding. I, you know, I think for us from a depth perception, uh, like from a depth perspective, we, you know, we have depth at each position. Um, a lot of our um, people do go both directions on offense and defense, which I think um, earlier in the segments, you know, you're talking about like the future of, of women's football. And I definitely think, where we want to be is where people don't have to do that. Um, and we last year we had a fairly large roster, and we, we kind of were able to do that. But you also want to be able to keep the quality up on both sides. Um, you know, you don't want one side to be lacking because they, you know, the other side, the offense took all the good players, right? Um, and so from a depth pers- uh from like a receiver standpoint, we definitely have other uh, receivers who will go in and out at receiver. Um, you know, we have other formations we haven't shown. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't pull out the playbook and run all the all of our plays, especially you know in that second half we didn't really, you know it was 21, 27 to nothing. You know we weren't trying to, you know open our playbook up for the future. Um, so we we did a few new things in the second half, but they were kind of out of the same set. So you know I think from a run game perspective, you're totally right that the Prodigy's D line was was stout um, even even in the past game. Um, you know, I, like I said, I had one or two seconds to catch and release the ball. Um, from an, 
to answer your full question, from an idealistic perspective, um, I love the formation that we mm. have. I think it bodes well. Um, I love RPOs. I love making the defense pick and making them wrong. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. I love running scout offenses for that reason because I know what they're supposed to do and I know where the gaps are, so I take advantage um, in their benefit, right? <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, from a from a Molly perspective, ideally on offense, we are we are making defenders wrong, whether that's in the run game or the pass game, um, and we have to execute to make them wrong. So I think that's our biggest um, our biggest word for for week two is, is execution. Right, and, and looking forward to week two, you're, you're going to meet the fire. Um, also, I'm just looking at the rest of your schedule. You have a you have a tough schedule. You have a lot of tough yeah, opponents do. here. <laughs> You know, the project we did, we did twice, year too, the so. fire twice. Yeah, um, but, you know, I mean, it just says a lot about a, a franchise and a team and its players, you know, the the opponents that um, that they play. Um, so, um, <laughs> but it, it, it is a tough schedule. Um, with the fire coming up next week, I mean, you, you had a chance to, to watch the game. I think, I mean, from my own perspective, just kind of as a spectator, um, Alabama did not look like the same team that they were last year. Um, they were very explosive last year uh, on offense. And, um, you know, kudos to the Atlanta defense. But um, it, it seemed like, um, you know, the door is open here for a win with you in terms of um, Alabama, you know, off to kind of a, a rocky start, um, which, you know, was kind of surprising to me. But, um, you know, so what's, what are your outlooks uh, looking forward um, to next week? Yeah, so um, I haven't watched all of the film, but I've caught um, bits of it. I think the biggest, mostly just the defensive side, um, you know, I think the biggest thing, we played Alabama last year, and in the second game we played them, we had them on their heels at halftime, and, and we, we there were some light issues and things like that, and we came out second half flat-footed and got ran over in the second half. But, you know, when it comes down to Alabama, um, I think the biggest thing we have to do is keep our composure um, and stay and stay focused on the task at hand. Um, they always get under our skin a little bit. Um, <laughs> in terms of how they played um, Atlanta – you know, those are two always solid teams playing each other, so it's hard to gauge a score line or a, or a game based on how the two good teams play um, because, you know, that's just – the level looks equal because they are equal. Um, I think right. the biggest thing um, for us to focus on is really studying film and our defense and knowing what they're wanting to do um, last season, when they beat us, they beat us with five plays. I mean, uh, you know, I could probably draw them up on the whiteboard right now from last year even. I mean, it was nothing crazy. It was toss sweeps and simple goes and go routes and, you know, nothing nothing complex, right? And so as a defense, we just have to know what they want to do and how they line up and what they're trying to do. Um, in terms of their defense, um, I know they've got um, number two, and she blew us up last year from the from the DN position. So uh, we gotta we gotta keep an eye on on her and 
uh, make sure that somebody's accounted she's somebody's accounting for her um, and then you know they kind of they kind of spread it out a little bit more than the prodigy the prodigy came in tight they had a lot of people mm-hmm. in the box which is obviously why we couldn't run the ball they had eight in the box um, and so we'll kind of see how they line up against us early on um, they didn't really line up heavy in the box I mean kind of sort of but not as heavy as the prodigy so we'll kind of see how they adjust throughout the game and and you know, see how they adjust with our, you know, different formations. So I think our biggest thing is adjusting. So. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I definitely noticed in that, in, in that game, you know, there were a whole bunch of turnovers, right? Uh, Our game or the Atlanta game? uh, In the Atlanta, um, yeah, in the Atlanta, uh, Alabama game, lots of turnovers, uh, lots of penalties, um, and so, I mean, that kind of made that game a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um, so I hear what you're saying in terms of like trying to keep your discipline. Um, so, you know, you can maintain control of the game. Um, I think that's going to be really big. Yeah, I mean, you know, football is a, is is the best teacher. Um, you know, you you have a play and it doesn't go the way you want it, but you can't you can't sit and and pout and reflect on that play at the time. You've got to move forward. You got to move on. You got to be ready for that next play. And maybe you made a mistake on the last play, but you got to turn around and and make it right on the next play. So I think for us, that's you know one thing I was proud of our team in doing. You know, even though there were a lot of mistakes were made by everybody, um, you know there was definitely room for opportunity of for improvement, and nobody. You know, nobody took that personally or, you know, acted like they didn't make mistakes. You still there, Mark? Yeah, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead, Oscar. All right, no problem. Uh, Molly, well, I really appreciate you making the time. I uh, wish you well in week two here against Alabama. Um, we are really excited for the season, of course, for the, the whole branding itself. Uh, you guys stood out uh, with those bright colors of yours, uh, awesome unis. That's probably the most awesome unis in, uh, probably in the whole league. So they're really cool. They look sharp and everything else. So uh, looking forward to this weekend uh, against Alabama. It's a rival game. It's a big clash. Um, they're coming off a really tough, battle-tested uh, matchup against Atlanta. So maybe something to take advantage of. Yep, definitely want to do that. And if you think our our uniforms were were good at home, wait till you see our uniform, our new uniforms for the next game in Alabama. Ah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, Molly, thank you again for coming in uh, on short notice and uh, obviously making the time after your practice and everything else. So safe travels. Looking forward to watching you on Vire Sports uh, against the Alabama Fire. Uh, looking for that W. Yep. Thanks for having me and supporting women's football. Have a great night, Molly. You too. All right. Uh, I think uh, Molly's ready for the W. What do you think? Think uh, yeah, I maybe think that, I think maybe Alabama needs w. to wake up a little bit. <laughs> but the, you know, Alabama yeah. is explosive. They can go one week where they're they, t- battle tested, and then next week they just come out firing on all cylinders. So it could be a battle for them. Yeah, yeah, they could. Um, you know, Florida. You know, is going to have to. Um, you know, turn up their their defense. You know, 
Um, as we know, you know, they have a very dynamic running back there in Alabama, and uh, Atlanta managed to uh, to keep that running game in, in check. Um, so Florida's going to have to examine that film and, you know, take a few pointers from the Atlanta Phoenix on how to play uh, defense on Alabama. And then, of course, you know, you got to score some points, find a way to get that done. But I, I think they get a good I, shot this game. I agree. I think that the, the bottom line is uh, the Avengers, like she said, if they can maneuver themselves on offense, maybe a short game that benefits them on a throws, and then they, if they get the running game going a little bit, uh, you know, you could put uh, Alabama a little bit on the, on, on the back end trails and take advantage of that, especially with some penalties, like you said, in that game. There's a, a lot of crucial stuff there. So uh, looking forward to Molly balling out and getting the Avengers their first W. It's going to be a tough battle on their schedule, to your point, Mark. It's going to be really battle-tested every week for them. So they're really going to have to bring their A game every week, uh, starting this coming week, if they really want to stand out and go 1-1 one and one instead of 0-2. Oh yeah, it'll be hard if they go 0-2 oh now heading into the to the rest of that season. But, yeah, as you say, I mean, there's there's no gimmies on their schedule. And, um, you know, they, they pulled out a, a victory against Philly in the last week of the season uh, last year. So um, at least, they, you know, they have that under their belt going in. They'll be facing Philly this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tough, tough schedule all around. All right, guys, uh, you guys got to go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Crown Beauty. That is the place to be. That is the best network on the planet, bar none. That's where you get everything Women's American Football News, weekly, daily updates as well. So check it out. And if you're not in tune with it, you got a cool content there. Uh, Mark, week one in Sweden, no surprise, Orobrol takes down Stockholm 20-0 to zero in a very impressive shutout by Orobrol. Uh, we have, we're not going to have an actual Super Series this year, so it's going to be D1 uh, lumped together with teams. But you get the uh, live stream there as well from AFI Review, plus you get the highlights right there. So uh, Orville comes out firing, and uh, they're, they basically, I would say, front runners the way they perform there. Uh, shout out to uh, Sarah Lidner right there for an impressive outing. But yeah, they you know definitely have, um, you know, have the the title in their uh in their you know sites you know um but as as you mentioned you know no super series this year will be a full complement of uh teams playing nine on nine with an extended season three rounds of playoffs um and so um i think technically who is it the Karlstad crusaders were um were they the super yeah. series champs last year yeah, they were champs right. last season. Yeah, right. they were so, champs last season, and Orobo finished second. That's right. So um, it's it's a wonderful start uh, for Orobo. Um, Stockholm's going to find a way to get off the schneid. They uh, are going to be playing for a few weeks. So um, uh, on April 17, we're going to get to see Orobo versus Karlstad in, in a few weeks. So that that's a big one I have circled on my calendar. That's going to be awesome, Clash. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, also get Gabby Knobs out there uh, for Carlsbad. See her, always a beast out there. Uh, UK Sensation, now playing in Sweden as well. All right, uh, Mark, uh, week three in FX Mexico, and uh, Pumitas completely own this league now. It's just the bottom line. Even though I don't even think the Raiders 
are going to have uh, a chance at this point. But it's Raiders Pumitas week four. Uh, that's the one I want to see. And we'll see three and one, four and oh. Yep. Uh, that's, yeah, we want to, we want to see that matchup. Ooh, that's, uh, it's going to be big, but like, yeah, Pumitas are looking very, very strong. You know, they're, they're putting up, um, more points than anybody in the league, biggest differential. Um, I mean, they're so good. They won two games in one weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to that's- Sophia Vinci and, uh, Danny Mitchie out there, one of our uh, two of our no joke football athletes out there, our brand athletes. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt they are the cream of the crop. They are the team to beat. Uh, Raiders uh, almost at that level. We will see this weekend if they can take down Pumitas. It'll be you know they're Pumitas already beat the Mayas, who um, are the other team that's kind of you know on the on the higher uh, level. And uh, now we're going to see if the Raiders can get it done. So we got Mexico clash, big time clash, Pumitas taking on Raiders. Uh, we should get the live feed there, as far as I know, from FX Mexico. So we will, uh, you know, dive into it with our network partners. I'm pretty sure Tercer Cuarto might cover it, so we'll dive into them as well. But the, that is the match you want to see. The other matches are going to be uh, Leona's playing two matches against Lobos and against Mayas. Same concept there. So we're looking forward to that. And Liga Monterrey, Mark. Um, it's going to be Silver Wings uh, edging Black Snakes, as we talked about last week. It was 13-12, to 12, and so uh, kind of a scare there for Silver Wings to get their first loss of the season, but it did not happen, and you get to watch it right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash ground beauty. So uh, a one-point victory and maintains Silver Wings undefeated. Yeah, get to the hub, Bob, so you can watch this game. It was very exciting and, you know, Tough, tough, hard-fought game. Uh, Silver Wings prevailed. They remain undefeated, as do the Ravens, who defeated Troyanis 19-13, to another pretty close game. So uh, lots of good football happened this past week in, in uh, Liga Elite Monterey. So there, we are going to be heading over to uh, Sweden and next week as well. And then uh, we got Finland starting. Uh, we also can have Germany starting, right? Uh, we'll also end up going probably over overseas in Europe at this point, the Czech, the Czech Republic as well. Um, so a lot of women's football overseas, UK, the NWFL, and then obviously X-League in June. So a lot of women's football to cover. So this is the place to be. This is the podcast to listen to week to week of, from insiders and everybody else that we cover women's tackle football internationally and globally. So uh, shout out to all the uh, awesome athletes in Mexico on, in both leagues that are doing awesome and amazing. Looking forward to Pamitas Raiders as well. And then looking forward to week four uh, in, I'm sorry, week five in Liga Elite. So Ravens uh, will be taking on Rockers. Uh, Silver Wings taking on Wolverines. Uh, the Snakes against Authenticas. And Troyanas against Wolfpack. So the no real marquee game mark uh, in Liga Elite. But uh, there's an opportunity for uh, Black Snakes to maybe fall to Authenticas. That's the only one that I can actually circle there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might be, you know, might see an upset on uh, one of these games, unlikely, but, hey, that's why they play the games. So it's 8-on-8 eight eight over in Liga Elite Monterey, so shout out to all the players out there as well. So, all right, Mark, let's dive into a fin- finish up week one in WNFC. Uh, looking forward to this one here. Um, 
we just talked to Molly, Washington Prodigy, 27-0. I did not take the Prodigy. You guys uh, took the Prodigy between you and Mac. So good, uh, you know, good victory for you guys. Shout out to you guys on your predictions. Uh, Atlanta, I think, I believe we all took Atlanta, uh, 7-0. That was a big battle there. Denver, Mark, w- the first game of the WNFC, you know, what better game to showcase than a nail-biter, 7-6, to six, yep. and the Falcons fall to Terry Lister yep. and the Denver Bandits, our co-host Terry Lister and the Denver Bandits. Shout out to Terry Lister and the, and the Bandits. Yeah, uh, you know, what a way to start the WNFC season with uh, uh, just an epic battle. Uh, clearly the biggest game in, you know, Denver's uh, Denver Bandits history. Huge, huge victory for them. Um, and, you know, it happened on the road. It happened in Utah. Uh, you know, the Falcons have never won a regular season game at their, you know, on their home field. So it was, you know, quite remarkable um, in, in, in that sense. But just, uh, just the competitiveness of the game, it was a true defensive struggle. I mean, I just have to say this right now. Like, hats off to both of those defenses. They both yep. played amazing, right? They, they just were unrelenting on both sides, on, on, on Denver and Utah. And, you know, it, it, it came down to, you know, <laughs> I mean, amazingly, you know, a scoring drive at the uh, very beginning of the game and a scoring drive, you know, near the very end of the game. And everything in between was just a defensive battle. Um, it was a really, really great game to watch. Um, get to buyer, go check it out. Hell of a game. Mark, surprising enough, Denver would have gotten a, a, a bigger score if Tagaloa and Shillingsworth or Tagaloa and Carmali would have connected. You would have seen a, probably a 14-6 victory, which you have never heard of the Falcons losing by a two-score lead, but it, it could have happened. There was a throw, uh, I believe, to Carmali that did not mature into a touchdown. That was a you know, deal breaker. Offensively, I'm looking at the Falcons uh, as a struggle right now. Uh, Gallica, not uh, Louise Bean. So there's an adjustment adjustment periods there in terms of the triple option that has to be adjusted by the Falcons. So can they make those changes? Uh, especially now that Oregon coming off this high double overtime field goal win against Seattle. Uh, yeah, um, Oregon's riding high. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's another game. I was uh, pretty surprised that um, Seattle didn't, didn't take that one. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I just have to recalibrate my uh, expectations for, for Seattle. I know that last year the Majestics, you know, they were played with lots of injuries and, um, they they just never really got into any kind of kind of a groove last season, and and I thought maybe coming into this season that they would uh, be the team that they were before, but um, it, it's just not looking that way. Um, for the the Ravens, you know, what a way to win uh, their first game of the season 
overtime, double overtime, right, on a, on a field goal. Um, it took a lot of perseverance, and um, that's really great. And now, you know, they're going to face Utah. Um, they're riding pretty high, um, but you better believe that Utah is going to be chomping at the bit to um, rectify, um, you know, some of the challenges that they had on offense. Like I said, their defense was, was really good. Um, so they're going to give the Ravens a, a lot of trouble, I think. Um, but on offense, you know, everybody has to execute the fundamentals uh, to make the triple option effective. And if, if they don't think it's execute the fundamentals, the, the scheme rust breaks Rust number down. one, Mark, you think it's just week one rust maybe? Live action maybe? I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Gallica's familiar with it, but she's not been under center for a full season, the issue there, right? But the more reps hopefully it'll mature into a better output. Um, let's bring in the salty one, Mark, uh, in here. Uh, Mackenzie, just talking about Oregon. We talked about Denver. Uh, let's talk about Las Vegas, L.A. I said L.A. could win. I picked them to beat Vegas. Maybe Vegas heard me. Uh, but they, they get uh, the edge L.A. 21-19. Shout out to Dana, uh, Dana Sykes, out, uh, Sykes out there, uh, one of our athletes out there, the box. Uh, almost making it happen there, and Diana uh, Wrangle as well. So, L.A., uh, very competitive game, Mac. Almost takes the win at home. Yeah, that game was wild, just like all the other ones. Um, and to be honest, I'm kind of perplexed, not going to lie. A little bit perplexed because I was kind of expecting a little bit more of, like, the blowout theme. Um you know, for the first play of the game, but it was all pretty competitive across the board. I was very happy to see that. Um, I think L.A., you know, and it's always those two-point, three-point, you know, touchdown games that you, you know, you take a step back and you're just like, oh, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, or we shoulda changed this or whatever. But, you know, you got to, unfortunately, you got to, you know, bite, you gotta, you gotta bite it and move on to the next game. Uh, Mac, Vegas, what do you say of Vegas? Really good ending last season. They step in uh, week one here. They edge L.A. Uh, but uh, overall, I mean, they get the first win, uh, just improving almost every year from the first year where they were not that good. Last year they were somewhat better, obviously, with Deion Lee involved. And now here they get their first win right off the blocks, even though it's you know they, they it's a three-point win. It's a win on the road. Um, so Vegas, what do you say of Vegas and Kerry Walters? Oh, Vegas and Carrie Walters and them girls up there. Man, I went to, uh, you know, because last year we were in the WNFC um, on my former team. So uh, some of us went down to that, that all, the All-Star weekend and, you know, played in the game and did all the stuff down there. And I got to meet some of the, you know, some of the other girls from across the league. Um, and those Vegas girls are tenacious. Oh, I love it. Like, I did um, I did the trench camp and some of the other stuff with them, hung out with them. Um you know, for a couple couple days last summer, and those those girls. I mean, we were talking, and they were like, "Well, we're we're coming for blood this season." And I'm like, "Yep, I can't wait to watch. Gonna be great." Um, LA though, you know, LA's always been one of the top ranking teams in the WNFC. Well, and really, and in, in across uh, women's football, to be honest, and it's just. Uh, and then, you know, you never want to see a, you know, a favorite team win or lose, rather. You, you never want to see that, you know, see it half, you know, see them lose. But 
sometimes a dark horse comes in and just sweep you off your feet. And um, you know, I'm here to tell you guys right now, I think Las Vegas is going to be that that dark horse. I'm not going to call them a sleeper because of this, because of the season they came off of and how good it was, and you know, just the high and the fact that they were able to snag the win on the road, um, almost in a hostile environment as far as um. As far as like the location, because you know LA is a huge sports scene itself. You know, just not just for women's football, but across the board. So the fact that they were able to go down there and go back to Las Vegas with it, kudos to those girls. Mac, uh, to shout out to Jamie uh, Elise up there, uh, leaving the scoring for the for the Las Vegas Silver Stars. Um, they go into Terry Lister's country, up uh, up to this Denver uh-huh. Bandits high of beating Utah. This is the, this is the one I want to see. It's going to be Vegas, Denver, Denver off this high of beating number two twenty twenty one Utah Falcons, uh, L A. Uh, you know beating L A. Edged by L A. Battle tested there, almost a loss. So can the Silver Stars, uh, you know, compete with this Denver team that just came off this huge high of beating uh, the number two ranked team in the WNFC? And I'm gonna Coach Terry already don't like me. It's fine. Um, and he'll he'll learn to love me again because you know me I'm a girl for upset. I'm not going to say this this game is going to be a, like a game of, of you know of having a potential upset because they're pretty evenly matched when you think about it. Especially both of them coming off big wins the first week right off the bat and just smacking them in the mouth. Um, and my one of my my best friends Whitley Khan smiles, miss her, girl, I miss you. Um, she's not going to be real happy with me because I'm taking Las Vegas by four. Four, okay. I mean, it, this is going to be a test. I'm, I want to. I really want to see this game because Vegas knows what they're up against. Denver's coming up this huge high. Mark, um, what did we talk about? Mississippi coming up, all cylinders. Houston was supposed to be much improved. New coaching staff. Everybody else, uh, uh, besides Amber Perry, probably the only playmaker on that team for the, for the whole highlights reels of the of that game. Uh, you know, putting up a score here, uh, Mississippi really stood out, and they they look good. Regina Jackson looks good. Yeah, you know, I kind of expect Mississippi to um, continue along that trajectory and 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 you know look even better this coming week against Kansas City. Um, I you know I feel like in Houston, you know, I, they're still you know trying to get the kinks worked out um as you mentioned you know new coach lots of new coaches there um but you know they did put six on the board and um you know unfortunately houston is going to have to be facing texas this coming week so uh thank you for an effort but uh, yeah mississippi you know regina jackson we're sending prayers (laughs) (laughs) we're sending prayers i think regina yeah Absolutely, if you're the praying kind, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was a very solid game by Mississippi. They just took care of business. Uh, you know, they took care of the ball. Um, Regina Jackson is, you know, she's a, she's a star player. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, unlike last year, Mississippi, you know, they dropped their first two games in the, before they turned it around. So they're off to uh, uh, the start that they wanted, I think. All right, uh, Mac, uh, if you're San Diego, you picked Phoenix. We picked San Diego. Regina Escoto, what a, what a broken play, and then this girl takes it to the house. That's, that's the highlights at the hub, but 
man, talk about San Diego. This 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 uh, this uh, this girl's gonna be special for them. You know, I'm trying to tell y'all. Nobody seemed to listen to me. It's fine. Um, I'm used to it by now. But did I not tell you some crazy stuff was gonna happen? Like, did I not tell you that? Like, it, it, I mean, and really, when you think about it across the board, you should. This is you know, big plays like this are to be expected. Like, nobody should be shocked that you know, big plays happen in women's football. And for whatever reason, people seem to have this giant-ass misconception that, you know, we can't play at a high level. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you go to the hub, you really see that it's a thing. Um, although I'm going to say I didn't expect it to happen right at the end of the game. That wasn't a thing. I can tell you that. Um, I figured it was going to be more or less like mm, second-ish quarter, third-ish quarter. But either way, it happened. And can't take it back. Max, she, a girl's got girls got speed. The ball was thrown over their heads. She bounces. The ball bounces. She picks up the ball, makes a run for it, right through the Phoenix Prowler defense. That was just impressive, and all the way to the house. I mean, so, like, uh, shout out to Regina Like, y'all don't understand. Like, oh, yeah. she is shifty. Honestly, I had to rewatch that. I literally rewound it twice. I said, wait a minute. She just ran through like eight defenders. And yep. the other three of the 11 were on the other side of the field. There was no way them other three, the closest one would have been that backside linebacker, and she was still mm-hmm. not even close enough to catch her by the time she started picking up speed. I was like, oh, okay, then. This is, this is what we're doing today. You know, and you can't and, – and that's no, that's no knock on, um, you know, on, on, on that defense. You know, it's just y'all play – you know, long game, drawn-out game. And just it was the luck of the draw for them than anything. So you know, if I'm that defense, I got ran through. I'm not. You know, I'm trying not to dwell on it because dwelling does does not do you any well any good. Um, you know, you just you do your best to correct it for the next game, and that's really all you can do at this point. Because you can't take yeah, you, know, no you can't problem. take it back. You may be able, you may be able to get that W back if you need them you know, uh, playoffs, elimination round type thing. Um, but, you know, first game of the season, still got a little bit of field rust, you know, still kind of in that preseason, um, not quite game speed mode. Um, because then sometimes it just happens. So now that they, you know, were exposed just a little bit, they can go back to the drawing board and be like, look, you know, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to fix it. This is what we got burned, you know, and build from there. Mac, okay, before we, we leave this, San Diego taking Seattle. Seattle coming off that tough loss in overtime by three points. San Diego getting that blowout. This is a clash of last year, which is, these two teams are no strangers to each other. So where do you see this uh, going? I, I'm taking San Diego here. Hmm. That's a tough one. Ah. Um. I'm gonna have to take. I, you know what? I'm gonna take Utah. I'm gonna take Utah in overtime. You're taking uh, Utah in overtime. Or you're taking Seattle. San Diego versus Seattle. Them too. Oh, I'm taking all of them. Utah by three. Seattle by three. Both of them in overtime. You're taking Seattle over San Diego. Yep. Yeah, I went there. Yep. You'll thank me later. Really? Uh, what have you been drinking? That's yeah. the question. Right, Mark? What, Water. what, what, what ale are we drinking, drinking? Because it's game week, Oscar. I don't get to drink anything else other than water and hydration things because, you know, I also right. have a game of my let's own go, coming up this let's Saturday. Go to Nate. 
since Nate's somewhat sober here. Nate, do you think L.A. is going to beat Phoenix? Wow. <laughs> By some short miracle? No, no. Uh, wow. I don't think so. It's no going to be Phoenix. Wow. Wow. All right, so L.A. is going to be Phoenix or Phoenix going to beat L.A., Nate? Phoenix is going to beat L.A. Okay, so L.A., you heard it here. I'm going with the legend. I'm sticking with my L.A. team. They almost pulled the upset in against Vegas. I'm sticking with L.A. Okay? All right. Just the way it works. You're right? such a homer, uh, Mark, oh, God. I am a homer. Uh, Mark, uh, Kansas City, do we say good luck with Regina Jackson, such a good outing in week one? Yeah, that's pretty much all you can say, I think. Um, I think Mississippi will win it pretty handily. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, I need to see more from Kansas City, but I'm not really seeing any signs of life there. I know know they went against Texas, and I understand that, but, um, you know, maybe they'll do a little bit better this this week, but I kind of feel like it's going to be all Mississippi. Yeah, so do I. Um, Mac, Washington coming up that great 27-0 against uh, the Avengers here. We talked to Molly. She's getting ready for Alabama. But Philly, we haven't seen yet. So uh, Washington, Philly here. I, I'm going to go with the Prodigy. I didn't go with them last week. I apologize to them. I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Washington. Um, I did go for them last week, thankfully. Yeah, you did. And I'm, and I'm still taking them. Um. And I'm only ooh, see, and this is the this is the conflicting part about women's damn football. Okay, um, there's so many good teams on, on across the, the country and in this league alone, mm-hmm. um, it's it's agitating. And we've you know we all know the, the the story of the first second year team that nobody really expects something from. I don't see that happening here this time. I also just I don't see them coming. I don't see Philly coming out with a win. Um, so I will go for the prodigy. Um, by at least a couple of touchdowns. Like, I'm going to say 14 points. Their, yeah. their D is so yeah, good. Go. Their D is so good. I had to watch the film twice. But their D is so good. So, shout out to the uh, part of GD. Uh, Philly, got to come, come, come to play. You got one week off before the, you know, before the uh, kickoff. Now you got two weeks within the kickoff. So, you got film on now. So, hopefully uh, the Phantoms can put it up there, you know, and competitive matchup. All right. So, guys. Um, let's go to WFA Pro before we get out of here. We got ten minutes. Let's mar- let's let's get it done. Um, Mac, we got the return of the passion taking on the Detroit Venom, and that is the FTF game of the week. So we'll get to see it live from FTF. So Passion Venom, former Dark Angels, if you want to con- consider that. Mm. Return of the passion. Ooh. Jeez, mm. I hate these picks, man. Oh. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, though. So we're going to take the passion because technically, I guess technically this would be their re-inaugural season, rather. So I'm going to take them by six. Um, however, it's not going to be an easy six by any means. Um, been All right, so you're going to be the all right. Yeah, I, Mark, got, I got to take Pittsburgh you, by, by three. Are you taking Detroit or Pittsburgh? Um, you know, although it's hard to take Pittsburgh, take a team that's been 
not played for like a couple of years, I, I'm still going to take Pittsburgh. I don't know. I'm taking Pittsburgh. <laughs> All right, Nate, you're taking Pittsburgh or Detroit? Uh, I'm 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 with uh, Mark. I'm going Pittsburgh. Come on, Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to take Detroit. All right, because I believe in that coach. I'm going to believe in the venom. I'm believing in the venom. All right, venom for me, Pittsburgh for you guys. We'll see how true that becomes. Um, Mac, the Columbus chaos better make some chaos because they're coming to the Gateway City. Can they take down the slam? And the slam is always hungry and evil and mad when they get an offseason they have to come back again. So, uh, I, I, Columbus, bring your A game. That's all i got to say because the, the, the slam is always so so good when they have to rebound after an off during off season. You know, Oscar, you are damn correct. Um, and it sucks because it, I feel like it's, it, I mean, it has been a, a couple of years since we've seen the slam. Um, and that's okay because, you know, the pandemic hits, you know, things happen. Sometimes you got to take a, you know, take a you know, year or two off, reevaluate, and come back. Now that they're back and at full strength, I can't not pick them. Um, the Columbus Chaos, however, gonna come in and try to make, you know, try to make noise. Like the St. Louis Slam is a veteran team, um, but I just, I can't, I cannot take the Chaos to win this. Respectfully, I have to go with the the, the veteran team of the St. Louis Slam. It's just, it's a thing. All right, Mark. Uh, Arlington taking on Austin, D2. Austin pretty tough most of the time. Uh, so I, I believe the impact needs to come in and, and they're on the road. So uh, I'm taking I'm taking Arlington by probably a touchdown, but it's going to be a tough battle. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I think uh, Arlington will uh, win this game. I, I, I think it will be a competitive matchup and, and pretty close at the end. Um, I'm going to say like eight points. All right. Uh, Nate, uh, Divas, after, you know, the injuries with uh, D. Scott and you have the injuries at quarterback with Amanda. Uh, so now they're taking on the cross-rivals Baltimore. Baltimore's D2 tough powerhouse. They were really good last year. Uh, you know, hopefully this they, they've revamped themselves. They're at home at the St. James. Um, I want to say Divas, but it's somehow it's, it's telling me Baltimore is probably going to come to play. Yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 feeling you the same way. You know, in, injuries play a factor in anything. You know, it just kind of takes the life. It, it, it can go either two ways. It can either one take the life out of it, or two, it can make everybody else have to step up and play better. But I, who, I feel like Matt right now. This is. Oh. Thank you. Do you see how hard this is? <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm with you. I'm pulling for the for the divas, but I think Baltimore is going to make this very close. Yeah, I think it's going to be very close. Mac, uh, Dallas, always a you know, what the pro level now, but Houston Energy always has their number. So uh, if you're the elite Mustangs, you better you better come to bring your A game because Energy always brings their A game. They were always pretty stable. Yeah, and I'm definitely taking my old friend E4, her old team. Yeah, definitely taking the energy for that. Yeah, um, you can't you can't 
doubt them. And it, it's just like the Washington team. Like, you you know, you, you, pick, you pick against them one week, and then they win. So then you're like, damn, I got to – okay, like I got to see what they're about. Um, Minnesota against Iowa. We talked to Coach Jimenez out there. Um, so what do you think, uh, Minnesota, Iowa? you think Iowa could pull the upset in St. Paul? I doubt it pretty much. Mm. You still there, Mark? I like it. Yeah, I like Iowa. You know, I think they're competitive, um, you know, in their division, but I don't think they're going to get over Minnesota. Um, um, it'll be, yeah, it'll be the Vixen. But I think I think we'll be entertained by the game. All right. Uh, Mac, let's do this. Uh, will it be your Valkyries or will it be Malahide Blaze? Wow, you would of course you would say this this matchup for me. <laughs> you don't have to you comment on it. You can hell. say neutral and we're good. No, because clearly you know I got to pick my own damn team. <laughs> clearly everybody knows. We'll have Nate take a, a mile high, so you're good on that, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's fine. You know, Oscar, between you and Coach T, I, I'm not about to have no friends on this podcast after tonight. Okay, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, and I'll tell you this, and, and like, and that's coming from a player of one of the teams that's playing on Saturday. Um, we're gonna be tested for sure. We're gonna be tested. It's gonna be a good test. It's gonna be a good test. So, um, clearly, I'm, I can't pick against my own team because that's like bad juju and stuff. I got time for all that. No. Um, ooh. I'm, gonna so take, we're made, I'm gonna take my own damn team by six points. So, so Mac, you're bringing the lumber. A mile high. That's what you need to say. Bringing the lumber. So watch out, Smooth Lori Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, and they got a they got a whole Mack truck to worry about. Okay. I'm gonna say that. Okay. Look, uh, I'm gonna If it's Optimus about Prime, seconds. they gotta be worried. If it's Optimus Prime, they gotta be worried. <laughs> Optimus Prime, the Bumblebee, whoever the Mack truck, purple Barney dinosaur with. Purple and yellow and green spots don't care. You got to stop me. And it takes like eight people to stop me. So, yeah, shaking in their shoulder pads. It's fine. They should be. All right. So we're, we, as a gang on the podcast, are taking the Nebraska Valkyrie to support the Mac Salty yes. Wars. Let's go. So we'll go. Is that it? Right. it? I support that. There, let's do it. Now, Mac, if you lose next week, I don't know about that. I don't know if we'll be on that same that same boat. You know what I'm saying? It's fine. You don't have a choice, Oscar, because if you don't, I don't shut up. Okay? Remember that. We love you. We love you. I you am know. a salty one for a reason. Okay? I'll get to I'll get to see it on our messages. So we we will be we will hear it before we even get to the next podcast. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. Don't even trip. Oh. All right. All right, guys. Uh, it's been great. WFA Pro, we're looking forward to Pittsburgh, Detroit, w- WNFC Week 2. Thanks for uh, the salty one coming in here to give us our insights. Nate Ward, uh, Mark Simone, for the absent Holly Custis, and uh, Coach Terry Lister. Great job, Coach Terry Lister. Uh, we'll see you here next week for 420 as we get into the WNFC, WFA uh, hardcore season Week 2, Week 3, looking in and the international. So, Check it out at the Hub, don't forget. And don't forget to go to Mikey Night Fight and use the code NJF. So have a great night, everybody.
Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.